0: Hello and welcome to Surveillance Report 17. Today's episode will be covering privacy and security news, as always, between June 29th and July 5th. It's been a fairly light week with Apple and DuckDuckGo being the major companies hitting headlines, and the only other major news was politics, which was US and Indian heavy, which is almost all of our viewers. Before starting the news, this episode is brought to you by us! Everything we do is done by myself and our part-time editor, working our butts off to get you the content. If you enjoy it, we have our Patreon you can join starting at just $1 a month. We are only one person away from hitting 50 patrons, so let's break that barrier. We also accept tips on Brave Rewards, as well as Monero donations that you can find in the link in the description. Every little contribution helps and enables us to consistently create this content. Without further ado, let's start sr 17 with our first category companies with the main highlight being Apple. Apple has been getting a lot of attention since WWDC for their new privacy features being implemented on iOS and this week continues that trend first. Apple has declined to implement 16 web APIs in Safari because they posed a fingerprinting threat which would negatively impact the privacy of their users. Most of these APIs include things like the Proximity Sensor, Geolocation Sensor, Battery Status API, and much more which are only implemented in Chromium-based browsers. Apple said WebKit's first line of defense against fingerprinting is to not implement web features which increase fingerprintability and offer no safe way to protect users. No matter what you think of Apple, this is fantastic news, and it's great to see the world's largest company stand up against obviously invasive things being done. Over to iOS, it seems Apple has introduced the ability to mask your MAC address on specific wireless networks in iOS 14. For those who don't know, your MAC address is a physical identifier which can be used to identify your device on a network, so seeing this functionality is just one more plus one for Apple. Time back to last week's news, Apple has more robust permission notifications being given to users in iOS 14, like when an app accesses your clipboard data. Well, the list of apps doing this just keeps on increasing, including things like TikTok, different news outlets, games like PUBG, social networking, and other like Bed Bath & Beyond, as well as some other things like Reddit and LinkedIn. Apple is implementing some pretty cool stuff that hopefully we see carried over to Android to minimize personal data being accessed by applications. Our next company here is DuckDuckGo, who had some pretty busy news this week. First, several users took to Reddit and Twitter this week, claiming that DuckDuckGo was being blocked in India. DuckDuckGo confirmed this was not an issue on their end, and that switching to a third-party DNS provider would at least temporarily fix this issue, Um, or obviously using something more robust like a VPN or Tor. As of today, it seems that DuckDuckGo has been mostly restored uh, in India, but no one is quite sure what caused the block in the first place. The two main theories are, one, the government simply blocked it as a part of a larger effort, or two, DuckDuckGo is accidentally blocked as part of India's recent app ban, which uh, we will talk about later in the politics section. The second DuckDuckGo news this week goes back to a previous concern from last year over the fave icon, the icon displayed in your browser tabs, inside of their mobile privacy browser. The DuckDuckGo browser was requesting the fave icon from its server, transmitting the browsing data of the user to that server without asking or prompting the user. The possible implications of this are that users can possibly be personally identified as the person visiting a specific site. DuckDuckGo has said that no personal information was ever collected, and they have fixed this in their apps, both Android and iOS, but many users still question why it was ever done in the first place, as well as why the issue was closed last year with no notice. Either way, good of them for promptly fixing this now, and it's really your decision on what to make out of this whole situation. Our last company news this week goes back to Zoom, who has been progressively looking worse and worse after showing some hope of change. Zoom previously said, as part of their efforts to be a more transparent company, that they would release the number of government demands it received for user data by June 30th. However, they just didn't release it, and they are not giving a new date that they will release it. Hmm. No one from Zoom has commented on the matter either. Hmm. Just some things to think about. I have a feeling this doesn't need to be analyzed very much. Just go use Jitsi. Research was incredibly slow and boring this week. We only have one article. Last week in SR16, we talked about Robert Williams, the black man who was wrongfully arrested because of inaccurate facial recognition. Well, a follow-up. The Detroit police chief has admitted that the technology almost never brings back a direct match. Uh, The stats don't look very great. Uh, He said if we would use the software... To identify subjects, we would not solve the case 95 to 97% of the time. That was not really research, but it was a relevant, loose statistic revealing the inaccuracy of this technology, at least in Detroit. I guess that was the research for the week. It was pretty boring and tame, but that doesn't take away from the importance of this facial recognition technology being implemented. And that is a good segue into politics. So politics on the other hand was quite eventful this week for better or for worse, um, most of it for the worse. Uh, let's start with the US. The Senate has passed an amended version of the EARN IT Act, the infamous act being shamed by privacy advocates for trying to force backdoors into encryption. This amendment essentially transfers liability to a statewide level, allowing states to possibly pass strict requirements. Now, what isn't clear is as far as I understand, since states have greater control with this amendment, states that value user privacy will be able to maintain how things are today? So this is a good amendment? I'm not very sure, but that's how I understood this. And if my understanding is correct, this is still horrible but it's not quite as horrible as at least some states will likely be against it. Again, though, I'm not too sure if my understanding of the amendment is fully accurate here and if states needs to have, if needs to have a minimum of these uh, requirements, but they also have the ability to go above the requirements. I'm not quite sure. So take my analysis with a grain of salt. The big clear takeaway is this act as a whole is bad news. So, yes, the EARN it Act is still terrible, that has not gone away, and in fact, it seems to be working its way very nicely through Congress. Over in California, a new law was passed that requires police to hand over training materials concerning facial recognition technology and automated license plate readers, two technologies that are very known to be abused, and this is all in an attempt to verify police force is acting accordingly and lawfully. Well, they have refused to hand over anything, claiming copyright as the reason to not disclose these documents. This is actually pretty similar to last year, when another transparency law was passed that law enforcement agencies responded to by ignoring court orders to hand over documents, charging high fees to access them, and in some cases burning or shredding the documents. I love how these are the same people saying, if you have nothing to hide, then you shouldn't care about privacy, so just give it up, as they hide their dirty business behind the cloak of privacy. It's just so ironic when you have government agencies who are uh, requesting privacy for um, specific reasons, but then when the public asks for privacy, it's seen as ridiculous because they don't need that kind of privacy, and they likely have something to hide, when in reality it's typically the flip-flop, when it, when it's that's typically the reality, so... Very fun things to look at. Now, California, come on, are you going to just let these people walk all over you? Not all of our state is San Francisco, you know, where you can just get away with murder. Uh, But I guess we are turning that direction, so hopefully California steps up against the police departments. I can't can't imagine that being easy, but in 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 an ideal world, I would like to see a little bit more stepping up against people who just clearly just don't obey laws and rules. On the opposite end of the country, Florida has become the nation's first state to enact a DNA privacy law prohibiting insurance companies from using genetic tests for coverage purposes. This is absolutely spectacular, although do not rely on laws to give you overconfidence in submitting your DNA to any commercial company. Just don't do it, people. It is not good news. Switching continents, India has gone right ahead and banned 59 Apps developed by Chinese firms over concerns with the national security and defense of India. This includes TikTok. Oh no! <laughs> um, both Apple and Google have complied with the order and are no longer listing the banned apps on the Indian App Store. Moving to the EU, last week in SR16, we talked about EncroChat, a privacy and security communication ecosystem commonly utilized by crime rings that had some of their systems compromised by UK law agencies. Well, the story has unraveled quite a bit more since then, and more information has come out. So, let's start with the French police, who supposedly breached the network, and authorities did crack the EncroChat encryption in March, and were receiving data in April all the way through possibly May and further. This led to the UK National Crime Agency to make 746 arrests and dismantle dozens of organized crime groups. This is being praised as a fantastic win for fighting crime, but privacy advocates are concerned over the blatant fight against the product and company that simply aim to offer privacy to individuals. In trying to catch these criminals, there's no doubt that some innocents who are using this device just legally, we were also swept up in the search as well, compromising their potential privacy. Just something to think about, um, this isn't just all sunshines and rainbows, there were likely people that were swept up as part of this investigation who probably didn't deserve to be swept up in the investigation as well. Our second to last category is free and open source software, which had very little activity this week. Now, for those of you watching the video, a trigger warning. This will be a Google Translate screen because Google Translate has the best translation out of all sites I tried so that we can actually decipher this since it's in Spanish. There was a lot of chatter happening all over the Internet that Mexico had banned open source projects, meaning things like Linux would become illegal. This was highly incorrect, and it's clear very few people actually read articles or did any research. So again, avoid talking about things and writing popular stories or ideas without reading into the stories yourself. This establishes a mechanism that would allow anyone who alleges a copyright infringement to censor content on the internet without the need for evidence and without being determined by a judge. Up to 10 years imprisoned are then contemplated for the, quote, criminal. So this is a problem for many reasons. Many security researchers rely on bypassing digital locks to find vulnerabilities. People with disabilities rely on circumvention for accessibility purposes. Creators, artists, and journalists need to bypass digital locks to extract fragments of copyrighted works for criticism, paradox, education, and more. I mean, we sometimes include copyrighted clips in our videos, but it's under uh, fair use because it's just a short clip and we're not actually stealing the work, we're referencing it. And let's just be real people, I buy my ebooks from the Kobo store, and I DRM strip them so I actually own my ebooks after I buy them, so I can share them with people, like a normal book that I bought, uh, load them on any device, convert them into any format I want, and more since I actually purchased the damn book and I should have the rights to own it. This seems to bypass a digital lock, so I'd assume it'd be covered under this law and it'd be considered criminal. The um, same applies to most other mediums and software, and I'm sure most people see a 10 year sentence, a possible 10 year sentence, as pretty extreme for wanting to read a book without logging into an Amazon account. So this is clearly an issue that speaks for itself, but what really makes me upset is that no one is talking about this. The fake Linux is illegal nonsense got all of the publicity and no one is talking about the actual problem of how restrictive this law can be in its attempt to limit piracy. To recap, in Mexico, Linux is not illegal. Replacing the operating system on your computer is not illegal. Pirating Windows and bypassing its license in any way would be illegal. This technically already is illegal in most places, but Mexico is clamping down on this in a very restrictive way that may impact people who aren't even pirating content. That's all in that story. Let's move on to the misfits. Uh, We live in such a crazy world through the lens of privacy and security. Things are just always changing and the misfits, well, there's typically a lot of those. And this was one of those weeks that we really didn't have much happen. Um, so I kind of had to dig a little bit and I did find one article I had to share with you and it's not even an article. It's a mass analysis of passwords on GitHub. You can see all of the fun stats in the sources, but let's talk about some of the notable ones. The most common password is 1234 and, don't forget, 56, which covers close to 1% of all used passwords. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it means 1 in 100 people may be using that password. Which is a lot, considering a password can be literally anything. Only about 9% of passwords were unique, meaning they were only found once. Of those, the average length was 9.8 characters, and only 7% of them included special characters. The other main highlight, and this was pretty interesting, there were high entropy passwords that had a higher than expected occurrence rate, leading the researcher to think there is a password manager that is creating passwords with low entropy, causing repetitions over a lot of users. A healthy reminder to stick to open source password managers where this kind of stuff is a lot less likely to happen and it's more likely to be picked up. That was the news everybody, putting a wrap on SR17. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like, rate, follow, and whatever other things you wanna do to engage from whatever platform you're listening in from, whether it be the podcast or the video on YouTube. Once again, consider supporting our work through places like Patreon. We have quite a few cool perks there as a thank you for your support, and we have other support methods on our site, all of which you can find in the description. Thanks to everybody who already supports us and Thank you for watching, and I'll see everybody next week for SR18.